Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the October 1st sermon titled The Logic of Assurance. And at lunch, uh, Cameron made the point that Assurance is so simple that you used a video clip of literal rocket science to explain it. Can you talk about your video clip for a bit? Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes we are assured because of the space we're in. And what I mean by that, the comfort of the space we're in, the familiarity of the space. If we were born Baptist and we're raised Baptist, uh, we're comfortable with that. We're, We're comfortable because we're comfortable. And in that video clip uh, from Hidden Figures, it's not the guys being comfortable with each other. It's they had to get comfortable with the numbers. And it did not matter where the source of those numbers came from. And Catherine, who uh, is a real-life person, this is based on a a true story, uh, a black woman, ends up doing the math right there in front of them and— for her to be in the room was very unique, and it wasn't because of her skin color. It was because she was a woman. This was all white men in a room talking about how they were going to get John Glenn back from being in space. And uh, she goes up there. She works the numbers, the math. And at the end, John Glenn says, I like your numbers. And he was basing his life on those numbers. The, the, the math had to work. And so with this message, I called it the logic of assurance because um, it it really doesn't matter what we're comfortable with or not comfortable with. What matters is the numbers. What matters is what Christ told us that we needed to do in order to have a forever home with him. And that was simply believe. We can try to add to that. We can try to take away from it. We can try to make it more complex than it is. But All he asks is that we simply believe him for his gift of eternal life. That's what I was trying to to get through. With with everything going on, it was the numbers that matter. With with everything that's going on, it's the gift that matters. So that's what I was trying to communicate. And I thought it was really helpful that you used those slides explaining the syllogisms, the assurance syllogism, and then you have the obvious syllogism. Yeah, I used the obvious one because people don't question that. People from almost every brand of Christianity, they know as a matter of logical sense that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. And the only problem with that is it's not biblical. Uh, Good people can go to hell and, and, and bad people can go to heaven because it's not based on the obvious syllogism. And and if you didn't watch the message or didn't hear the message, Uh, What I put up there was people have this idea, so Christians don't do something. So saved people or regenerated people, they don't sin or they don't, whatever your thing is, they don't do that. The next premise of that, I said, well, I do that. I I sin. I, I miss the mark even now. And even if I was perfect after I came to Christ, there's no guarantee that I wouldn't at some other state, maybe further down the, the road, maybe two months from now, two years from now, that I wouldn't do that. Therefore, I must not be saved. If we used the works 
syllogism, then we will never be assured of our salvation. And so the assurance syllogism is quite simple. Jesus says, believe in me for eternal life. That is a truth. Jesus said that. That I believe in him for eternal life, therefore I have eternal life. And it's that simple. And it's based on God's word. You either see Jesus as being trustworthy or you see him as not being trustworthy. And you also brought up a couple of the false syllogisms. You gave a couple of examples. Uh, for instance, you know, everyone baptized as a child is saved. I was baptized as a child, therefore I'm, I'm saved. Um, which even that, if you think about it, oh, well, were you sprinkled or dunked? You know, there's <laughs> always something when you add any sort of work to it. There's always going to be something of, oh, did you do it right? Did you do it the right way? So it's, I think it was very nice that you you put that up as an example because a lot of people think, oh, I'm part of this denomination, so I'm saved. But it's none of those things. The only scriptural basis is belief. That's plain it. And, plain and simple. You know, I think the most profound thing I said in the message uh, that I, I, I could tell it when I was saying it, if you as a father would put in a, a one-way, up against a one-way glass, a one-way mirror, and your child was on the inside being interrogated, it would rip your heart apart if in their interrogation, if they said, my dad or my mom, they don't love me. My dad doesn't care about me. My, my dad, because of something I did, he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. You know, I, I would say a good 95% of parents out there it would just rip their hearts out. And yet, somehow, we believe that when we aren't secure in our relationship with God, that God's okay with that. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. It, Jesus has promised us eternal life by simply believing in him. And when that's not good enough, it rips his heart out. Because like I said in the message, we're real good at sinning, and he's real good at saving and I think that illustration was even more impactful because it wasn't just a hard and fast, like, oh, my parents don't love me. It was, I don't know if my parents love me, which I think that is even more gut-wrenching because how do they not know all the things that I've done? Exactly. How are they in doubt? How is there any confusion whatsoever? Whereas, I mean, yeah, hearing my, you know, my dad doesn't love me would obviously be difficult too, but... There's something that has influenced that decision, whereas the I don't know, that's like a gray area that, you know, how, how do you not know? Exactly. And so I think that was the, the really impactful part, for me at least. Now, you, you brought up an interesting um, point with Paul, because Paul writes in First Timothy, he talks about how Jesus came to save the sinners, of whom I am the worst. And... I think the emphasis should be on I am the worst, not I was the worst. So then he right. saved me, like, glory, hallelujah, I'm, right. I'm no longer the worst. He says I am the worst. And I think your point there was very strong, especially as it relates to the obvious syllogism, because it was that, oh, the Apostle Paul, who we would all, you know, hail as, you know, the greatest missionary and such a great evangelist, he's saying I am the worst? Is Paul not saved? You know, as soon as you kind of add anything like that, ooh. The idea behind that is, Paul was comfortable in his sin. What I mean by that, what I mean by that is not Paul was comfortable sinning, but he knew he was a sinner. But that was okay because he knew Jesus is a savior. 
And so uh, he was under no illusions. Uh, He got mad. He got angry. He got frustrated. Paul wasn't perfect after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I think what happens is we're uncomfortable in our sin. And someone told me this after the sermon. They said, you know, uh, we're uncomfortable in our sins, so we want to be uncomfortable in our salvation. So we'll stay on our toes, so we'll work at it and keep working at it. And and we just need to know that, hey, yeah, we are uh, sinners, but we have a great Savior. And we have been brought into life. We we might die because of the, the sin of this world, meaning physically. Now, we might not with the rapture, I think, so close at hand. But um, he says, when you believe this, you will never die spiritually. And so, yes, we struggle with sin, but we acknowledge that, yeah, as long as we're in this flesh, we are sinners. It should magnify our understanding of how great a Savior he is. You know, I was reading this week um, about some of the early church, some of my theology at it missed a lot of the early church, and specifically early church martyrs. And before Constantine, you know, there were some Roman emperors that that went after the Christians, like, um, unbelievably. And Christians were okay with dying for for Jesus because—and and I never thought about this. this. This Catholic professor brought this up. He said, because that was a guarantee you could go to heaven. That's the way you could be assured of your salvation, by dying for Christ— well, when they quit uh, killing Christians, well, how can you be assured at that point? If, if, if they're not coming after you to kill you, how can you be assured? So then they said, well, then you have to die to self. You have to, to deny yourself and live a selfless life, and that's the way. Well, as soon as you do that, you have just moved works into assurance. And in this series, I'm trying to make sure that works have nothing to do with assurance. You either believe Jesus' promise or you don't. And if you don't, that's on you because he's promised, and going back to what you said, how it would crush a father to know how could they not know Jesus has promised you everything that you can know you have eternal life. As we looked at in John 5, they have moved from death to life. They have moved. They have made that move. Uh, it's a done deal, fait accompli. It's, it's, it's over. We that believe Jesus for his gift, gift of eternal life, it's ours. So now step in it and live that. That's, that, that's the wonderful gift that he offers us. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this is a great and necessary sermon series, and I hope that it's a huge encouragement to everyone. So thank you for breaking that down. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. <laughs>